right. Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen Hollingsworth, and I'm the president of the American Marketing Association chapter here at East Carolina University and your host for today's Business Beats Lessons in Leadership designed to give you all the ins and outs of achieving success after graduation. Joining us today is Kevin Monroe, a wealth advisor at CapTrust, and he graduated from the College of Business with a degree in management, returning to obtain his MBA in 2005. And while here, he, Kevin played pirate football and is a four-year letterman and all-conference USA performer. And he currently shares the school record for the longest interception return. Oh, wow. Today, Kevin continues to promote ECU and pirate football as an analyst on pirate radio. And he spends countless hours giving back to the College of Business. And today, he's going to share some of his leadership lessons with us as he takes us from graduation to career success. As a quick reminder to those that are here, we are recording through Microsoft Teams today and several students are from various student organizations are joining us. So for the audience listening live, please send your questions to the meeting chat and we're going to get to as many of them as we can today. Welcome, Kevin. We are great to have you. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm always excited to have an opportunity to speak at East Carolina, especially to write to the students. So this is this has been something I've been looking forward to. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So I would like to say that I think I'm, I've d I did quite a good, a good amount of LinkedIn digging. Um, I know a lot about your College of Resume, but is there anything that I missed within that intro that we just had? Um, uh, maybe a couple things. So for one, I actually played baseball at East Carolina too. So I, I played oh, four, wow. years of, four years of football and two years of baseball. I was on football scholarship, but baseball was my first love. And so the football coaches let me play baseball when I came here my sophomore and junior years. Uh, so it was really like right right about that time that I was getting into the school of business because, you know, you kind of do those general courses your freshman year and then right in the sophomore, junior year when you kind of get going on your college of business courses, I was playing two sports. And so it was really, really tough. So early on in my academic career, I had to really buckle down and and, uh, and focus because being gone from class and all those kind of things that come with playing baseball specifically because they play so many games uh, really took a toll on, on academics. So I had to really focus. Absolutely. And how exactly would you, did you like balance that? Like, did you, were you just really strict on the schedule planner or what was your, what was your strategy there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of basically from Greenville. I went to high school uh, here and so my family was right in town. And so, you know, my dad was an East Carolina business school graduate. Uh, so I kind of knew what, what to expect coming in. He would always kind of prep me on the courses to take and, and how to handle my business. And then, you know, playing playing sports is just kind of something that came natural. So I didn't have to focus as much on that. It was really just after practice, on the weekends, in the evenings, making sure I got my schoolwork done. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, um, was is was huge in academics. She, you know, was an all A student all the way through East Carolina. Then went on to Brody School of Medicine. So she was always focused on studying, and so it didn't make it hard for me uh, to come home at night and focus on on getting my work done because I knew that's what was most important. And that's what she was doing. Absolutely. And did you feel any pressure from that? Not really. Uh, you know, it was it was the pressure to succeed on the field, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I always knew that the, the schoolwork would be fine. It would come. Um, you know, I, I wasn't an, a straight A student by any means. I was a B student. I'd make some C's. I'd make some A's. But I was kind of that B student. So uh, I knew if I put in the work, I could I could get that B. And, if, you know, if I really excelled, I'd get an A. But um, I didn't necessarily feel pressure, just just wanting to do good and wanting to get on the field and play as much as possible. That's that's exactly how I feel, honestly. I mean, I'm thinking right there with you. I mean, I might have above a 3.0 right now. I'm not really sure. But 
I mean, just I would always kind of look at it and I'd be like, oh my goodness, there's these people around me and they have like 3.6s, 3.7s, and then I feel like what really that what what you, what what did you do with it? Like, yes, you attended all of your classes and yes, you sat down and studied, but did you actually apply it while you were um, here at school? And um, un unrelated to just um, basic ac academics, do you have like a favorite memory? So if, you know, as it pertains to academics, I would say I made the chancellor's list one time. I had straight A's in one semester, so that was a big deal. I was pretty excited about that. My parents were uh, thrilled to see that report card come through. Um, Sports-wise, yeah, I would, I would say 1999 is probably a year that, you know, Pirate fans talk about a lot as the, the football program was had, had a really good year. We were 9-2 regular season. Uh, we had wins over... West Virginia, South Carolina, Miami, Duke, and, you know, a bunch of conference opponents as well. And uh, that was also the the year of, of the big hurricane, the big flood in Greenville and Hurricane Floyd and, and all the things you probably heard about being a student there. And so we played Miami in, in Raleigh. We played them at NC State because East Carolina's stadium and surrounding areas, you know, had taken on a bunch of water. And so we couldn't come home to play. And so in that game versus Miami, um, you know, they were ranked number 13 in the country and, and, uh, and we beat them and it was just a, a really cool game. It was fun to be a part of. Uh, I played really, really well. Um, and matter of fact, you know, Reggie Wayne was, uh, one of the star receivers for Miami and I, I guarded him most of the game. And this year he's actually up for the NFL hall of fame. So it's pretty cool to say that I played against the NFL hall of famer to be hopefully. Uh, so yeah, that was probably my favorite college memory, uh, um, athletically. Absolutely. And I would um, just recently, what day was it? Um, we beat Houston. Um, the EC basketball team beat Houston. I could just imagine the energy in pre-pandemic times that we would have in this campus right now. But I think honestly, uh, what I really like about just like the energy around ECU is even if we're losing, we're still there. You know, like I feel like we're always we're just we bleed, we bleed this pirate of this pirate purple and gold spirit. And I just think that's really cool. Absolutely. I, I was actually at the uh, the Marquette game in, in 2002, which was the last time East Carolina beat a ranked opponent. Uh, and Dwayne Wade was was in in uh, in Minji's Coliseum playing for Marquette, and so that was that was pretty awesome. So um, yeah, I, I can only imagine this Houston win a couple of days ago what that would have been like for Pirate fans to be able to rush the court and celebrate, you know, in, in kind of a non-COVID experience. It would have been pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm not sure if um, anything, well, I'm not sure what the curriculum has changed since um, you've graduated, but personally, my favorite courses are the um, business leadership, the business courses. So 1200 to 4200. Did you have um, any of those or did you have a particular course that you feel like really prepared you for where you are right now? So I didn't have any of those. The leadership uh, courses were not uh, put together yet when I was coming through here. I do, I do love them. I love the fact that you guys get to do them, and I, I'm kind of a part of them because I was, you know, I'm on the business advisory council um, at East Carolina, so I was able to kind of put in my input when you guys were coming up with that, uh, those those classes. I think they're great, and I probably would have loved those the most myself. I would say, you know, I was a I was a management major uh, with a concentration in entrepreneurship, and now you guys have a whole entrepreneurship school, which is which is cool. That's probably what I would have done. Um, Marketing and management were my favorite classes. Those were kind of my passion. Uh, accounting and finance, oddly enough, since I'm in finance now, were kind of my nemesis. Those are the classes that I didn't love as much. 
so yeah, I'd probably put it like that. Probably management, marketing, my, my top two, and, and uh, accounting and financial, my bottom two. I can't speak for the um, marketing yet, but I think we're kind of right there. I took a lot of those. Um, well, I took the management course um, that last semester, so distance ed, and then um, I've taken 2200 Hathaway on Hathaway Halfway through the pandemic when we kind of closed in March and then 3200. And I just wanted to say, I think honestly, a lot of our professors really adapted well to that, which I'm really, I'm, I'm, I was really impressed about. But um, did you have a favorite professor while you were here at East Carolina? You know, I had a few of them. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, my time at East Carolina. It's, it's been, gosh, close to 20 years since I finished my undergrad now. Um, a little bit less with the with the uh, with the MBA, but you know, so many different professors, you know, kind of played a part in my uh, in my path to getting to where I got. And actually, uh, Dr. Nicewander was um, he was the dean of the MBA program as I was coming through that. And the, the funny thing about that was you had I don't know if it's still like that now, but when I was coming through, you have to maintain a 3.0 all the way through. And if you wow. fall below that, you kind of go into a, you know, almost like a probationary period. They don't kick you out, but you have to make mm -hmm. sure you get, you have to get an A for every C that you get to, to get you back up to that 3.0. And I was playing my senior year of football uh, when I started the MBA program and I, I made a couple C's and I fell below 3.0. And I remember Dr. Nice wanted to call me into his office and saying, hey, we got you. Don't worry about it. Don't let this stress mm -hmm. you out. We know the kind of student that you are. Just get back focused you know, you finish your football career and we'll make this work out. And so it just, it was a, it was a weight lifted off my shoulder to know that East Carolina was kind of always there for me, always supporting me. Uh, and of course I was able to get back up to that 3.0 and graduate uh, with, with, with better than that. So, uh, so many teachers uh, were there for me, but uh, that was one of the things that I really remembered come to the NBA program that I, I always remember. Absolutely. I'll be honest. I don't think I could answer that. Um, I don't think I could answer that question. The way I think about it is kind of like the building blocks, like how it's kind of like, like how I said you progress. Nowadays, we progress through like 12 business, 1200, 2200, 3200. That's the way I think about it, because I remember 1200 was kind of like general. I honestly, I came in thinking management and I switched to marketing. And then 2200 was kind of the teamwork. Like it kind of got me prepared for the internship that I was going to say that I um, had with the Rise 29 program, which is now a part of that Um Miller School of Entrepreneurship, if I'm, if I remember it correctly, I think that's a sub sub part of that. Right. And then um, 3200, um, it was just kind of a lot of the networking, um, which I'm, I'm I I think they really do a great job of preparing you, and I think it that, that's how they stand out compared to other universities, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just kind of a stepping stone. You start off with the introductory one, you kind of start to to put together what you should be doing going forward in in, in the college of business and. And how that's going to parlay into the the career world, and you go to the next step and the next step, and by the time you're ready to graduate, you should have you know all the arrows in your quiver. You should be fully fully ready to go and and, and to take on a job. So I think it's it's put together very well. Absolutely. Now I, I talked about um the my jump from like switching from wanting to do management and then switching to um marketing, but I think your jump is a lot more impressive considering you were undergrad was management and you jumped on to um, now you're in the financial sector. How did that happen? Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, I, I probably can't tell that story without telling um, just kind of the whole story of how I got my first couple jobs. And so uh, I'll just, it, it may, it may interrupt a couple of your questions later on, but we'll just go ahead and knock them out here. So <laughs> as I was, as I was finishing up 
uh, undergrad at East Carolina, I was, you know, my plan was to go and play in the NFL. I mean, that was my dream was to, to play football in the NFL. And so as I finished my senior year, I wasn't drafted, but I was signed as a free agent to go play with the Carolina Panthers. And so I hit, headed to training camp. And, um, you know, I did really, really well. Um, There's a numbers game and I didn't make the team. And so they sent me back home. And at that point, I had to find something to do with my life. And I really didn't know where to go. And so I went back to one of those professors. He's no longer there, but it was a business law professor that was, you know, a really good professor to me. And I, and I asked him, you know, what do you think I'd be good at doing? Um, my goal always was to own my own business. You know, I wanted to you know, run a, a sporting goods store or something like that and, and be my own boss. Um, and so I knew that I couldn't start there because I didn't have the seed money to do that. I knew I needed to get you know, get a real job. And so, you know, this this professor, he said to me, he said, you know, as athletes go, uh, you're one of the best I've ever had because you you sat up front, you paid attention, you stayed awake, you asked questions, you did all your work. Uh, you didn't just rely on being on a football scholarship to get you through. And so because of that, I'm going to help you out. And so by the time I left his his office that day, he'd already uh, set up three job interviews for me. And it just so happened they were all in the financial advising industry. And I didn't know anything about it. I couldn't have told you, you know, what a, what a mutual fund was really all about, you know, at that point. You know, I knew what a stock was, but I didn't, I didn't know enough about investing to have a job mm. in it. Uh, but I knew it was a relationship type of job. You know, you had to build relationships. You, you had to sell yourself. Um, you had to be able to sell the company. And so I knew that I could do that. And so certainly, uh, sure enough, I got the first interview and, and I'll, I'll skip that part for now. We'll, we'll talk about it later. But eventually I was hired um, and to be a financial advisor. And they just said to me, you know, the things that you learned coming through college, the things that you learned as, an, as a college athlete, you know, the hard work, the teamwork, the never giving up, not quitting, the perseverance, um, just just battling through, you know, uh, being, being a team player will get you through in pretty much any job that you're going to do, but especially a sales job where people are always slamming the door in your face, always hanging up the phone on you, always telling you, no, you have to keep pushing. And so they said, we know you'll be great at this. We just have to get you trained up. We have to, we have to show you what everything's all about, get you trained. And so that's what they did. You know, I, I sat down to study for my licenses, got all my licenses and off I went. So there was no real strategy to becoming a financial advisor. It just was something that was offered to me. And I took on the challenge to decide that, hey, you know, I think I can do this. And, oh, by the way, I need a job. So I need to figure it out. So that's that was kind of my approach to it. Absolutely. So do you think that um, not just um, your grades, but do you, would you say that um, grit would be the most important quality to have with um, new graduates nowadays? You know, I think that's important. Um, I think I would say the most important thing, and it's not it's not necessarily quality. I think it's 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 just your ability to uh, to interact with people. But I think networking, mm -hmm. I think networking is the single biggest thing you can do as a college student, because uh, let's be honest, people hire people, they promote people that they know and that they like, you know, and so you have to find yourself in the room with the right people. And so while you're thinking of what clubs to join, uh, what things to do in the community, you need to be thinking um, about ways to give of yourself, to give back, but you also need to be thinking selfishly. Like, if I do this, will I put myself in front of the right people, right? And so I was always thinking like that, and I had the luxury of being an athlete, and people actually knew who I was. So they would, you know, they would say, oh, you know, you're Kevin, the football player. And so that would help me get into the right room and shake the right hands. But I think that's the single biggest thing. I think 
you know, most of the jobs that I've gotten uh, in my life, I gotten I, I, I got because I knew somebody there. Um, and then I've helped so many people get jobs, you know, since I've been an adult, including my own family members, because they knew me and I knew somebody else that could help them get a job. So I think that networking is the biggest thing. Obviously, grit and, and, and having a good personality and being a hard worker are all traits that you need. But none of that matters if you don't know the right people, because people are just going to hire people that they know and they like. That's just the way it's always been. Yeah, and that's what. That's one of the reasons I try to stress to um, my organization just kind of the importance of things, the importance of things like going to the job fairs. Like, yeah, so what? You're not graduating in May, but would you rather refine yourself and start making those connections now, or would you rather wait until February when you're graduating in May? So I think that's really important to have to want the feel the need to like grow now and not just wait. I couldn't agree more, Stephen. I mean, if you you should go to that those job fairs starting your freshman year and just start shaking mm-hmm. hands and meeting people because the same people are always going to come back. And if you if you want to go work for a certain company, you will have seen that person year after year, or or you can start to email them, get their business card, start reaching out to them. That may help you get an internship at that at that place later on. So yeah, I mean stuff like that where you can where you can go and and see people and be seen. You got to do it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, how did you get that um, first opportunity to really show an employer what you were capable of? So once I got the very first job, as I mentioned, I got help from a professor getting that job. But uh, once I got that first job, I was able to kind of put my head down, put my nose to the grind and just really work hard because it was, you know, being a financial advisor is one of those situations where you have to, um, you know, you have to bang the telephones, you have to get out in the community, you have to to show up at people's door and uh, and just kind of put yourself out there a ton. And so I was doing everything I could do in the community. I was working in Greenville uh, to bring in business. And that that's kind of what, what my job was, was to find people, either selling products or, or help them with their retirement or the kids' college plan. And so I was really working hard at doing that. And then uh, one of the one of my coworkers at the time, he said, I, 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 was, I started in the business with this guy who works at this firm called CapTrust in Raleigh, and they work with professional athletes. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off. I was like, you know, I don't know if I really want to be a financial advisor, just necessarily working with, you know, doctors and lawyers and teachers and business owners. That was great. My passion was sports. I really wanted to get to my passion and be able to work somewhere in sports. And so when he told me about that, that became my goal. That became my goal. It wasn't my next job. I had another job in between the two, but it became my goal to find a way to get my foot in the door at CapTrust and and to get, get hired there. So you know, just I would just say to your and you know, once you have a goal in mind, it'll push you to do the things you need to do to make that goal right to to uh, to get moving. So, having uh, having to find the place that I consider to be my dream job early on in my career, uh, I kind of put that you know as my as my go to um, you know something you'd put on your mirror in the morning or whatever, and that that kept me focused. And I really like the way that. Um sorry if I'm circling back a little bit too much, but I really like the way that you described it kind of while, yes, you can have kind of like the selfish mindset a little bit in the back, but when your number one priority is like getting out there and building like relationships, that's the way I kind of think about it too, because the reason that my current number one choice is real estate is because I want to be able to like kind of settle down get in one community and feel like I'm kind of making a difference and becoming like a part of it. So that's just something I really look forward to. Yeah, I mean, listen, some people want to get out and see the world and see the United States and travel. And, you know, I've had that mindset at times. But 
uh, depending on where you are, whether it's if you're in a relationship with somebody or, or you've got children or whatever and you want to stay in one place, as soon as you get an opportunity to set roots and you're ready to, to, to make somewhere home, you got to get out there. You got to get out there. That's the only way your business is going to be successful. It's the only way you're going to be successful if you know the people in your community uh, and, you're, and you're not just, every time you see them, it's not, oh, uh, Stephen wants to sell me a house. It's, oh, Stephen's coaching the t-ball team or, oh, Stephen's, you know, volunteering at the bake sale. They, you know, they, they see you doing something other than just trying to sell them something. I learned that early on when I was, when I first got my first job as a financial advisor, I started calling my old teammates that were maybe in the NFL or in Canadian League trying to get them to invest money with me. And it it used to be, hey, Kevin's calling to just say what's up, say what's going on, how, how you doing or whatever, let's hang out, to, oh, my God, Kevin's calling again, he's trying to sell me something. And so you you mm-hmm. people start to hang up the phone, people start to, to screen you. So you can't make it about that. You can't, you can't turn those relationships into just what can Steven get or what can Kevin get from that person. It has to be, you know, what can you do for them? What, what can you do in the community where they see you doing other things? So I, I learned that early on. And that's exactly the way I thought about it. Um, before I got here, um, I'm not sure um, where exactly he was while you were in school, but um, Westmoreland was kind of the, while I was a prospective student, he was our, um, he was the dean before um, Dr. Schwager. And that's how, that's how we thought of it. It's kind of, you gotta, while yes, you can, what, sorry. It's kind of like, <laughs> sorry. It's about how you can help other people rather than what am I going to get? What am I going to get from this person if I go talk to him? It's kind of here's what I can do for you rather than just like here's my skills. This is like you can you, you it they need more of a personal touch, at least in my eyes, at least. Absolutely. That's that's the way the world works. You won't get anywhere if you don't if you don't work that way yourself. And um, sp- speaking of your time at Cap Trust. I want to talk about, um, I did a little bit of um, research, the um, LinkedIn digging, went on the Cap Trust thing and saw that you were um, a finalist for a Step Up Award um, related to um, diversity within Cap Trust. Could you tell me a little bit about, a little bit about that? Yeah, so at Cap Trust, we, uh, we have these things we call bricks of success, right? And, and so a brick just meaning if you want to build a successful business or building foundation, you have to do it one brick at a time. So we have these actual marble bricks that we that we hand out to people as awards for things that they do well. And so, um, you know, we've got the client service award, somebody that's taking care of clients the best. We've got uh, the the step up award. That's just somebody that's that's taking on a new role and does a really good job at it. Uh, we've got the innovation award, somebody that comes up with a good idea that makes the company better. We've got the MVP award, advisor of the year awards, all these different awards you get, you get bricks for. And over the years, you know, I had, I had gotten awards for five years and 10 years. Uh, so those were all like service awards, 15 years, all, all just loyalty and service awards. I'd also won the, um, the, the community, uh, community service award twice. And that's just, you know, for my work in, in the community and uh, things I've done charity wise, but I hadn't won any of the other awards that just pertain to my work at CapTrust. And so I'd always kind of wanted to, to win something like that. And so this year I was a finalist for the step up award. And, and as I said, it's just, it just means that I took on something different and, you know, diversity and inclusion or inclusion and diversity, as we call it at CapTrust, we just feel like anybody can be diverse, but to be able to, to make the people, the diverse people that you have working with you to feel included uh, is, is, is a big deal. So we call it inclusion diversity. 
it, it hadn't been as important at Capture Us as we, you know, as the higher ups kind of wanted it to be. And so it was always kind of on the back burner. And then the summer of 2020 hit and you've got, you know, Ahmaud Arbery and, and uh, George Floyd and uh, all these things happening uh, and the world, you know, is catching everything on videotape and, and you start to see, you know, the the racism and the issues surrounding it in in the uh, in the world and um cap just kind of opened their eyes and said we need to get going on this and so they they put together an inclusion and diversity council i was asked to be on the council and then uh stemming from that they wanted to put together these groups uh for the employees so the groups that you could join uh of people like you or that are like-minded or um that are allies of that group and so uh, we call them employee resource groups. And so I was asked to lead the employee resource groups. And we have four of them. Uh, we have the, the um, BIPOC, uh, so it's Black, Indigenous, People of Color. Um, we have the, um, the LGBTQIA group we call Pride. Uh, we have a women's initiative. And then we have LIFT, and that's Living in Faith Together. So it's a faith-based group. So we have four kind of groups that you can join and either say, I identify with this group or I'm an ally of the folks in this group. And so it's my job to it's my job to pick the leaders of the group, get the groups up and running, and to try to get uh, everyone. We have up to eight eight hundred employees now, so it's up to me to to kind of get the employees involved in joining these groups and supporting these groups. And so for that work, uh, I, I ended up winning that Step Up Award, and it was it was a, it was a nice honor. It was something cool. It wasn't uh, you know a part of my day to day job. But it was something that I took on. They didn't pay me any extra money for it, so it was just something I had to get done you know, in my spare time and, uh, it's, it's going great so far. And that's and, one of the things I was going to, um, the more I was listening to you talk that I really kind of admired is that, yes, you can just kind of like sit and like do your job, but then there's also parts where like, you're kind of really taking the initiative and going above and beyond that just for development of those around you and the betterment of pretty much the organization as a whole yeah, in a community. Yeah, that kind of goes back to one of the earlier questions that you asked me about just kind of, you know, when I got that first job, you know, what kind of got me going, what kind of got me inspired? I wouldn't say necessarily my first job, but when I when I got to capture us, you know, I, you know, I talked about just kind of putting my head down and working hard. And I think there's something to that. I think there's something to getting somewhere and busting your butt and going in early and staying late. You definitely should do that when you're a new employee. There's also something to be said for making yourself known in the company as someone who's willing to help, someone who's willing to volunteer, someone who's willing to do stuff for other people, not just their own job. And so my uh, my manager, my boss, you know, when I first got there said, you're doing a great job. He said, but, you know, you're only working in your little bubble. He said, you need to find a way to get more involved at the company. And so I always remembered that. And so you fast forward, you know, almost 18 years later, you know, you see my name everywhere. I'm, I'm always volunteering to do different things, running different charity programs, running the the, the intramural sports teams, as uh, Brady will tell you, just a bunch of different things that I've done uh, at CapTrust. And you kind of always are getting emails from me because you see me doing different things. And that's because that he said that. He said, you know, get more involved. So I think you have to kind of be, you know, outwardly minded and not just think about yourself. Because if you're if you're making others better, that's only going to shine back brighter on you. Uh, so it's, it's just always something I've taken to heart. Yeah, and yeah. that's um, one of the things that I don't know where I would be right now if I didn't um, join, if I didn't attend that first AMA meeting and I'm like, well, let's, let me help with your fundraising. <laughs> so I don't know where I would be if I didn't apply for that fundraising position. I probably wouldn't be right here 
right now talking to you. But right now, I know we talked a little bit about your um, scheduling as a student, but now you're uh, you're you're still at Cap Trust. You're a color analyst at Pirate Football. In addition to um, your role within End Zone Sports, that I hope to talk about later. How are you keeping up with that? It's a lot. Uh, my wife will tell you that I take on too much all the time, and so um, I, I try to and not to spread myself too thin, but to to be willing to raise my hand when I'm called upon um, uh, and, and to take on different tasks. Uh, the end zone sports thing, that was an easy one for me because I have two boys, two young boys, uh, 14 and 10, that are very uh, into sports. They play everything. And so if they were going to be out there playing sports, I figured I might as well you know, invest in a, you know, a youth sports franchise where they can just kind of go and play flag football and basketball and soccer and all the different things. Uh, and I can be out there you know, giving up my time, but also make a little bit of money off of it as well. Uh, so that's something that we do, you know, on the weekends. And, you know, it's a little bit paused right now during COVID. But, you know, when things were were, were back to normal before, we were, we were out there practicing a couple times a week and playing games on the weekends. And that's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And so between that and, and the East Carolina color analyst thing, another thing that was just kind of a happenstance. It was, you know, I was uh, I was in Greenville working at that first job as financial advisor. And it just so happened that. The uh, the company that I was working for, they were advertising. They were they were doing um, advertising dollars on the radio station during the during the pregame of the footballs uh, during the football season, and so uh, they were. I forget what the what the marketing thing was, but basically it was their name on the pregame show talking about the keys to the game, and so my boss at the time asked the radio station, "Hey, we've got a former football player working here. Can he come down to the pregame show and actually give the keys of the game since he works for us?" This is what we're sponsoring. And they were like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I did that. They thought I did a good good job of it on the radio. And so they asked me to start to come back and sit with them during the whole pregame show and talk about pirate football and all that good stuff. And so I did that. That was the uh, the fall of 2002. And that whole year I was on the side, or I was, I was doing the pregame show on the radio. And just so happened that year, um, the sideline guy, left the broadcast on the radio station at the, for the radio broadcast during the game. And so they asked me in 2003 if I would be the sideline guy. And so I did that for three seasons. I loved it. You know, got to travel with the Pirates to all the games, home and away. And so that was fun. And as luck would have it, it was, it's probably a God thing. Um, three, three seasons in, the color commentator retires. And so when he stepped away, they said, well, you're doing a great job on the sideline. Would you like to come up to the booth and be the color commentator? And 18 seasons later, I'm still doing it. So, um, you know, they do pay me for that, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not a career. It's just a side gig, uh, but I love it. And, you know, I haven't missed, uh, I've missed one pirate game, pirate football game uh, in 18 years. And that was the death of my grandfather. It's the only reason I couldn't go. And so um, I just think that's cool to go to go to all the games. You know, I wish some of the seasons recently had been a little bit better than they were, but I've sat through tons of good, good seasons as well. So it's just been a fun thing to do. And I think that's where you hit on. I really like where you hit on like, okay, yeah, I'm making a little bit of money out of, out of it, but I'm happy. I'm doing it because I'm happy and I'm enjoying it. And that's kind of like, I think that should be the goal. I don't think the goal should be, oh, I want to make six figures out of, out of, um, I don't want to make, I want to make six figures one, one year after graduation like that. Do what you're happy about. And one, I hope it isn't too much of a circle back, but um, with diversity and inclusion being so important right now, how do you think that recognizing it 
will help us become better leaders? Well, I just think that having more diverse attitudes, more diverse thoughts, more diverse people uh, can only make an organization better. If you if you think so singularly and, and you only you only get input from uh, one group of people, uh, you're always going to have that that one thought that's just not um, not as compelling, uh, not as wide widely thought of, not as widespread as you could if you had people of all races. Um, all genders just kind of weighing in. And so to, to have an opportunity to get those that are, are you know, maybe from marginalized communities or otherwise uh, not thought of as highly to have a seat at the table to give their thoughts and their ideas. Because ultimately, if you if you work at a business, you're selling a product, right? It's either uh, a service or you're selling an actual product. And either way, you're selling something. And, and the people that are buying it uh, are of all races and all genders. And uh, so why not have the input from those folks on the on the uh, on the front end, uh, so that you know that your product or your service is going to be the best on the back end. And so, I just think that that's so important. And and to push for that is is going to be one of my goals from here on out in my career, uh, to make sure that not only are are minorities getting hired, but minorities are getting promoted, right? Because if you think about it, if you you may you may hire folks and 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 get them to the, get them in the door, but if you keep your thumb on them. And, and, and don't let them rise up, then you really haven't uh, done much. You, you really haven't progressed your company. You got to let them get in, this, in, the, in the place where they're making decisions. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping to get more and more uh, minorities promoted and, and raised up at CapTrust and uh, anywhere else where I can um, you know, have, a, have a voice. I think it's very important. Absolutely. Um, so pretty much um, from, oh, I hope I didn't slip this up while doing the research, but you've been in North Carolina pretty much your entire adult life. Um, was that intentional? I know a lot of the students, a lot of students, it's, it's kind of weird, it's kind of sad in my area, are just really set on, oh, I want to get out of Hertford County or something like that. Or even yeah. here, oh, I don't even want to be in Pitt County, which I kind of disagree with. I kind of, I feel more, uh, I feel a local bond myself, but do you feel like some sort of like loyalty or like a local, like a bond to that community? So I'll say, your I'll community? say, I'll say yeah. it this way, Stephen, is that um, that's just a natural thing of being a teenager or a young adult to want to go out and do something different. I, I wouldn't look down upon that in terms of people from East North Carolina, because I think, you know, if you grew up in the city of Miami, you'd probably be like, I want to go somewhere different, you know, when I got out of college. Or if you grew up in Chicago, you'd still say the same thing. It's just, it's young people wanting to go out and do something different. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, when I was coming through high school, I was being recruited to play football all over. And, and, uh, and, and East Carolina obviously was recruiting me. But since I was went to high school in Greenville, I wanted to go somewhere else. I was like, why would I stay here in Greenville? I've been here in high school. And so I was the same, same person. But it just worked out that, you know, I, I liked East Carolina, you know, better than some of the schools that were recruiting me. And, and it made sense for me to stay home. But I think what what ends up happening a lot of times is that people, as they're young, they go off, they find out what's out there. Grass is not always greener. They take a couple jobs. Maybe they meet a spouse and they end up coming back home eventually. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just I would say to to the young folks, if you have a desire to travel, if you have a desire to go out and work somewhere else, do it. Do it while you're young. I mean, it's, it's the opportunity that you have once you get settled down, once you have a wife or a husband. Uh, and kids, it's much harder to do all that traveling. It's much harder to to, to keep changing jobs and moving all over the place. So the, the reason that I've been in North Carolina specifically is because, you know, I found my wife in high school, right? We started dating in high school, uh, went to college together, 
and she was going to be a doctor. And so she had to do medical school and residency. And so I could either go off and be working in a different state and be away from her, or I had to stay in North Carolina and be where she was. And so that that was what was best for us. But I certainly don't knock people that want to travel and see the world. Uh, Honestly, my goal at this point is to retire early and go see the world. So I'm doing it backwards. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's great to to have ambitions to do other things. Absolutely. And I just think, yeah, like kind of like what you said, like there's always, I don't know what type of like psychological thing it is, but there's just always, you just always end up back. I don't know how to explain it. Um, That's a great book. <laughs> it just pulls you back. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see myself here, honestly. What would you say would be the um, hardest thing that you kind of had to learn throughout your young life still, honestly? Um, I, I, you know, I think when I talked about the networking piece, I, I think that that is so important because you meet so many different types of people, right? And, and you're not going to mess with everybody. You're not going to like everybody. Uh, but the one thing that I think that I'm good at that people would probably say if, they, if, if you ask them about me is that, you know, Kevin's always smiling, right? He's always happy. That's not true. I'm not always happy. But you you put on that face when you're around certain people to make them feel good, whether you feel good about being around them or not. Uh, so I, I think that if you can be a people person, if you can be a person that can uh, that can have a conversation in any in any group, in any setting, um, if people feel good about you coming with them on a, on a trip somewhere or going out on a golf outing or coming to a dinner because they say, hey, Stephen is the person that can that can light up the room and, and he can be there in this situation and, and say the right thing and, and not mess it up for our company. I think that's great. So I, I would just encourage folks to, to get out of their shell a little bit, smile a little bit more and make an effort to 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 network, meet more people, uh, but but just be happy in, in any situation uh, because it's going to make your life better job wise uh, and it's going to help the company. I, I agree completely. Um, well, that's all the time we have, sadly, but um, thank you so much for um, joining us today and your lessons on leadership. I think um, the students here live and the students listening afterwards are going to learn a lot. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I, I've enjoyed being here. Um, I just would encourage uh, the students to, to obviously keep working hard in class, but uh, to take some of these the lessons that I talked about with the networking um, you know, leadership in general, I think people uh, would probably say that some people would probably say that you, you're born a leader. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you're born with maybe leadership uh, characteristics, but I think it's something that you learn along the way. So you, you mm-hmm. get around a, a Dean Schwager and you get around a Fielding, a Fielding Miller, who's the CEO of my company, and you kind of learn what it looks like to lead. Right. And then you kind of take different things from each person and you build that into what it looks like for you. And then when it's time for you to step up, and raise your hand and lead a podcast or or whatever it may be, you're ready to do it. So I, I, you're always learning to become a leader. And so I just would tell people to uh, to not give up if they think they're not leadership material. You have to first follow before you can lead. So mm-hmm. uh, make sure you're following the right people. Well, thank you again for um, joining us today. And um, we really appreciate you coming out here and doing our first our first official podcast. Yeah, make sure you get my, my contact information to all the students that are interested. And, you know, I'm always willing to, to give advice or help in the internship or whatever. So uh, just just let me know.